Hi, America. This is Lindsay Haley, and you're listening to Improv Nerd. Jimmy, Jimmy Crane, Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Jimmy Crane's an improv nerd. Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Oh, Jimmy. Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy Crane, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd, sponsored by the good people at Hotel Lincoln. The next time you find yourself here in the city of Chicago and you're looking for a cool boutique hotel that's close to everything, including the Second City, and it's not only improviser-friendly, it's pet-friendly as well, check out the official hotel of Improv Nerd, Hotel Lincoln. We're also sponsored by Uncle Fun. For nearly three decades, Uncle Fun has been a Chicago institution. If it's a vintage toy from your childhood or a novelty item like a whoopee cushion, believe it or not, they still sell those, or some of the most unique cards and gifts that they've found from around the world because they're always searching, you'll find it at Uncle Fun. And it doesn't matter if you spend a dollar or a hundred dollars, you'll always leave with a bigger smile on your face than when you came in. Uncle Fun, it's at 1338 West Belmont in Chicago. Our guest today is Lindsay Haley. She is an improviser. She's a teacher at I.O. Chicago. She also performs regularly with the Deltones. Uh, It's a musical improv group at the I.O. Chicago. And when we did this interview, she was uh, in the process of moving to Los Angeles. We talked to her about, you know, when you decide to move to Los Angeles. We talked to her also about Second City and when she was hired for the touring company and how when she entered, she had a real entitlement. She had a real chip on her shoulder that they should have hired her sooner. And the part of the interview that I found uh, really fascinating and honest and revealing is she talked about her dealing with being sexually abused. Uh, she was uh, sexually abused when she was younger, and you'll find out in this, this interview, and uh, how she's starting to deal with it now. Uh, I could totally relate to this because I also am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And um, it's really... Uh, for me, it's been something that uh, I've been working on my whole life. And uh, I was uh, sexually abused by a school teacher when I was 14 years old. And I really didn't get any help with it until I was in uh, my late 30s when I got into therapy. Um, and I, I didn't tell my parents probably until I was 40 years old. And I remember I went up to their house. They live up in the suburbs, and we were in the family room, TV room, and we're sitting on their their uh, they have like an L-shaped couch. And my mom goes to me. Now, you got to remember, I'm 40 years old. And she goes to me, um, you know, I was uh, having lunch with Mrs. Armstrong, and we always thought there was something weird about that Mr. Carp. Did anything happen? Now, Mr. Carp is the person. He's dead now, uh, but he's the one who sexually abused me. And when she asked me that question, I ignored it. I kind of just I checked out, basically, which is something sexual abuse survivors do. They they disassociate. And then she asked it again. You know, we always thought there was something weird about it. Did something happen? Well, did something? And I told them. I told them that something had happened, that I had been, you know, uh, sexually abused by him. And the reason I think, you know, besides the shame of, of being sexually abused, besides the, you, you, when you're a sexually abused survivor, there's a lot of shame. And you, you also feel like you're responsible, like you should have known better, even though you were a kid at 14 years old. And I remember my father saying something that, that afternoon that, that, that was, so, was so, like, disturbing. He goes, well, I wish you would have told your mother because she would have gone right over to that school and raised holy hell. And I'm thinking to myself, what would have you done and I, I think part of the reason I never told my parents was I was I was protecting them. And when you when I heard that response from my dad, it, it, it made total sense. And you know, as a performer, you know, and, and, and on this on this on this podcast, I mean, I think one of the, the the goals that I like to to explore is like people talking about their childhood and 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 you know, some of the pain that they endured. And and so many people on this show, uh, guests on the show, have been able to transform that, you know, and take that pain and turn it into to, to, to gold. Uh, but 
You know, uh, as someone who is a sexual abuse survivor, it's 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 an ongoing thing. So uh, I'm just glad that uh, uh, Lindsay was brave enough to bring that up. And uh, this episode for me is just filled with such shame. We talk about that, and I reveal being sexually abused, and it's the first time I've talked about it. We also have a scene where we improvise, where I'm attracted to her and I kiss her and my wife's in the audience, so I feel shame about that. And then after the improv, I bring her boyfriend up and I ask some very personal questions. And of course, I feel shame about that. So uh, this is the Lindsay Haley episode. I'm going to uh, subtitle it as uh, Jimmy Filled with Shame episode. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it because she is so brave and she's so talented. Here it is, the Lindsay Haley episode. He's a nerd. Oh, yeah. Jimmy's a nerd. He's a nerd. Oh, yeah. Jimmy's a nerd. He's a nerd. Oh, yeah. Jimmy's a nerd. He's a nerd. Oh, yeah. got a standing ovation. I did for yes. one person. Thank yes. you so well, much. You got to take what you can get. <laughs> I do, and I all right. It all. So, 24 years old. You're in Wilmington, Virginia. You're mm-hmm. taking an improv class. You're coming to Chicago. You heard Second City three times, right? Three times in one week. In one week. So that was a sign. Mm-hmm. So you're going to come and study here. But before you do, mm-hmm. you decide to do Last Comic Standing, and you tell me that it was humiliating, oh. a public humiliation. Can you tell us what happened? Yes. I'd be, I'd be honored to tell you <laughs> from here now what happened then. Um, so, I yes, I was in Wilmington, and I decided I was doing the, the comedy thing was going to be a real thing for me. Um, so I went to Richmond for the month to kind of boot up, and then I was going to move to Chicago January 1. And this was kind of a new leaf. I was in an improv troupe, but it... You know, I wasn't taking comedy seriously. I thought I was just acting, and I was doing like comedy stuff on the side. So when I got to Richmond, this was the start of my comedy career. Um, so I like kind of researched stuff and Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Um, just for that Christmas month, family Christmas month. But something in my brain just flipped, and I was like, now I'm a comedian. Um, so I what flipped. I don't know. There's a sw- just this weird switch of like you really enjoy live performing and making people laugh and I think that was with the, the comically impaired the which was a troupe. short form short form improv troupe with me and eight over 40 plus dudes who were all drinking a lot okay yeah and um, hitting on you any of them hitting on you yeah okay yeah right. either hitting on me or hating me at the okay exact, yeah just or or both at the same time right um hey, but you never hooked up with any oh no okay great no okay. no no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Um, so I get to Richmond, and the last comic standing fielding competition was being held at the Funny Bone, which had just opened in Richmond. Which was time. a stand-up club. Stand-up club. So it was a really big deal. Never done like, stand-up before, right? Oh, no. No. But I have always had a confidence that nobody in their right mind should ever possess. Um, <laughs> and so I called into the Q94 radio station with Billy Surf. Because they were holding like a, if you call and you tell a joke that makes them laugh the hardest, you're going to be awarded the five a five minute free slot that was left for you know somebody who called in the radio station. Um, and assuming everyone else calling in, you know they're stand up comedians. They've done this a lot. So I called in. It wasn't my joke. But I swear to you, you guys. I promise. I'm delightfully naive at times. I thought stand up was like just storytelling but with jokes like from maybe other people that you've heard <laughs> so this was not my joke that i told so you but remember I guess, the joke yeah okay you want to tell it yeah i said how many adhd kids does it take to what was oh shit how many adhd kids how many adhd kids does it take to change a light bulb i want to go ride bikes <laughs> That's why I told Billy Surf, and he thought it was the greatest thing he'd ever heard. And they gave me the five minutes. So you go and you do the five minutes, and what happens? Okay. So I now know, and this is part of a conversation we had earlier, I now know that I have a life-threatening allergy to mold commonly found on grapes and red wine. But I didn't know that at the time, so this will become real important in a second. (laughs) So... I worked up my whole five-minute set, um, which consisted of 
my my dad's buddy Uncle Kirby, who is like a Navy pal of my dad's, uh, told me a bunch of lumberjack jokes. So I just had like four lumberjack jokes, <laughs> and and one homemade joke that was my it was like the pinnacle. It was it was the closer, if you will, um, which was I thought it would be hilarious if um, you know I'm from Wilmington, which is hurricane country. I'm from Richmond, but I was living in Wilmington, and that's hurricane country. And um, and Geraldo Rivera, or whoever, always goes down to the you know the site of the storm and asks people, "What are you going to do to prepare for the storm?" And I think their answer is always the same. You know, I'm going to board up my house and or evacuate. It can be one of two possible answers. And I was like, "Wouldn't it be hilarious? You know, if I go down there and I pose as somebody that Geraldo comes and you know asks this question to, and when he asks me that, I say." You know, I thought I'd bring my whole family down and we'd jack up the house and tow it up on 95 while we were all on roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the, and that was my closer. Like that. So, so, so tell me, so what happened after you did it? Were your parents in the audience? Okay, so here's what actually happened. Okay. I had that whole set worked out and I, I, I Which knew is about, it was going to be about two minutes of material. It was, it was, I had stretched all those lumberjack jokes and that one to be five minutes. Okay. Okay. So I knew I was a professional, so I wasn't going to hold a set list. Like, I had memorized this thing. My best friend Chrissy takes me to her house, and she's like, I know you're nervous, so why don't we have a glass of red wine? Um, this is had, where the grapes come back. The, the allergy come comes back. back. Okay, this is where the grapes come back. Um, so I had just had my tonsils out two months before, and I hadn't had wine since my tonsillectomy. And post-tonsillectomy, I'd had developed these food allergies. Okay. So I have a glass of red wine and a shot at the bar. And um, apparently, my sister won't tell me everything that happened. Um, she's afraid that if she tells me the whole story concentrated in one setting, like in one sitting, that I won't be able to stomach it. So I've gotten like incremental information tell, about what Tell me the down. juicy stuff. Okay. I was on stage and I said this, which was not even in my set three times in a row. I was, the microphone was there, and I just breathed heavily into the microphone. This is what I was told I did. Breathed heavily into the microphone, stepped to the right, stared down at my vagina, <laughs> looked up, leaned back into the microphone, and said, you learn a lot about yourself when you do something like this, and I learned that I pee when I'm nervous. <laughs> did that three times in a row the exact same way and then I came back to the microphone and I said what are they going to do jack the house up on roller skates and tow it up by 95 and then I fell off stage this one are you curious like okay she's giving you just a little chunk like what 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 other things you did oh yeah that's what she told me um, I'm super curious. There's a tape of... I should not say this out loud. How can we There's get it? I don't know. The <laughs> last comic standing... Because they, they film all that in case that you know, they run into the next big thing, which wasn't me then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that tape exists somewhere in the last comic standing archives. It's got to. And then... Um, you, you know, you bring up vagina. Mm. And uh, this is a great segue. You can use vagina as any segue you want. <laughs> when you were at Second City, you were hired with the touring company for a couple of years, yes. right? Yes. They said to you that you were a little too body for them, right? You got that note over and over? Yeah. I don't, you know, no one wants to talk bad about Second City in. Believe me, a we've had guests. Um, well, we've had people who have. But, like, I, I love that experience truly for what it taught me about, I don't know, working with an ensemble and everything. But, yes, I, w I was given the note. Frequently, please pull it back. Please pull it back. Um, yeah, this is too weird. And is that why you you left after two years? I think genuinely, I left because I you had, were in the touring company. I was in the touring. I was in Blue Co. And the cast of characters I had in that company with me for two solid years was the most amazing experience of my life. And both Tim Stoltenberg and Chris Watoski were leaving within the same week. And to be to be frank, I didn't want to tour with anybody else. You know, I, I just I felt like I aced it. I went in there and I nailed it for two years with like an amazing cast, and I I wanted to go out on a high, so I just pulled the ripcord. 
And you said that they thought you, you left too early. I, I was told that I was making a mistake. And who, um, who told you that? <laughs> oh, Jimmy! Yes. Oh, Beth Clearman. And how, what did she pull you into her office? Um, she did in a kind and loving way, which was like, you know, we don't think you're quite cooked yet. Um, they wanted to see what I would do with the ensemble being in the leadership position because at that point I would have been the most vetted person on the touring company so I would have been in charge of chair sets um, so you know like in the running order and debriefing everybody before the show so like they wanted to see that was what she said to me you know how I would have and operated it, in a leadership you, role. you were over it I mean I can just tell by your response I I really no one listens yeah. to this podcast no. go ahead <laughs> <laughs> I I was over it uh, for me. I, I just knew it was time to go, and I had a couple of other self-made offers on the table that I like, think I like, intentionally orchestrated to like go at that time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, which was going to Australia. And, and then you you had also said like going in there was a, a real entitlement when you were first hired. Yes, my personal entitlement. Yes, yes I was. You know, we were talking about mm -hmm. this uh, as far as. You always feel like you should have gotten something three or four years ago, and I was no exception to that. Um, and now I see that I got it exactly when I was supposed to get it um, because how, of this. People. How did it affect you when you went in there and you oh, were entitled? Oh, boy. Uh, the first three months were a nightmare. Were um, you hard to work with? Oh, yeah. Like, give me an example. Absolutely. Um, the director, Ryan Vernier, God bless him, um, he was brand new at the time. And, you know, I just felt like I knew what was up and what was going on. And, um, I didn't really, I wasn't combative with him directly, but just felt really a sense of empowerment about my own ideas and that I should be listened to more. And I was pushy. I was pushy. And then um, after three months or so, something happened where I was like, I'm just going to allow everything and say yes to everything. And when that set in, I, of course, was getting more stuff in the shows. I was easier to work with. The ensemble liked me better. How did you get to that place? I think just fighting such an uphill battle and like because I put so I get so intense you know I'm mm -hmm. so impassioned and um, like self-righteous because that's what I do like mm, I don't explain to me self-righteous like you. there's like like I you know uh, there's only one way to do it this my way is the yeah. way to do it and I everyone else is is not as good as I am yes I will say then yes <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, and when I relaxed though, and and kind of learned how to. Well, were you scared being there? Was there a little fear? I think that may have been it, um, but it di it didn't really feel like it at the onset. Like at the beginning, if it was fear, I certainly wasn't aware that it was fear. I only felt like I was correct. Um, Do you, is it because backstage we were talking and you said. You know, I thought, you said, I thought I came from a perfect family and everything, and then, then four, about four years later, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm in this profession for a reason. Yes. Are you the type of person that, that it takes a while, then you look back and you go, okay, I might have been afraid there. Oh, I think I am better and more aligned with who I actually am right now sitting in this chair than I ever have been. So I'm hoping from this point forward forever, I don't have that four-year window anymore. <laughs> what did you discover when you look back, you, you know, four years, if I would have asked you, you would have said I come from a perfect family. Okay. What changed? Okay, I'm going to do this right here right yes. now. Uh, I remembered some repressed memories from my childhood. Um, about being a victim of sexual abuse. And, um, you know, my immediate family uh, could not be more perfect, mm -hmm. could not be more perfect. So I always wondered why there was this sort of deep-seated pain that I had or this thing that was coming out of me, you know, and the self-righteousness and stuff. And that occurrence didn't even really happen while I was touring with the Second City. It was a little bit after that, too. But I think it was all right around in that area. How did it come back to you? The person um, passed away, and right after they died, um, I started remembering things. Because I also had been sexually abused, and mine was a school teacher. Wow. Yeah, and, and you know, it's a scar that, it's really, it's, it's a scar that you always live with, you yes. know? Do you know, who, do you, who was the person? I shouldn't say at this time, just because I also haven't revealed that to mm -hmm. certain members of my 
family. Was it, uh, without revealing the person, was it inside the family? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, and so how have you been able to deal with it? I personally, um, well, I now know too that that was what my illness was. Um, we had talked about too. Like in 2006 or seven, I started to get really, really ill. Um, and I know, I believe that that was my body telling me that there's some big thing coming up that I needed to kind of like work through and deal with. Um, Stress-related illness, you know, which I think manifests itself in the form of cancer for some people and for me, adrenal fatigue syndrome, which was giving me all these food allergy reactions and these different sensitivities um, to everything around me, even people. Um, I'm just, I now know myself to be extremely sensitive to, to absolutely everything and uh, have taken the steps through and, you know, mostly holistic healing um, because I tried everything else under the sun first before I turned to alternative medicine. And it was interesting you said to me, too, that when you had this, you didn't want anybody in the improv community to know. No. The, the original illness, I mean, I'd seen too many people be scarlet lettered by things that were going on and pegged as being difficult to work with. Um, and so I went into my apartment for about two years and I would do the Deltones every Saturday night and I didn't really tell people what was going on um, except for certain members of my team um, because they weren't allowed to wear perfume or cologne at the time because I would, my throat would close. Are you still sensitive to smells? I'm still very sensitive to smells but everything is so much more stable now that I don't have, it's not such a dramatic swing for my body. But that was also a good time for you in yes. terms of creativity. Absolutely. Can you Absolutely. tell us? Yes. So um, during that time when I kind of had to go indoors uh, for a year and a half, uh, that's when I wrote my first one-woman show, 30% Chance of Haley. Um, and then as I was getting a little more you know, stable health-wise, I came out <laughs> of my sequestered you know, palace, and um, I did that show at I.O. And uh, just before that, too... Um, Sharna had seen one of the pieces from Sharna that Halperin show, Sharna Halpern at I.O., um, which was a piece called Love Letters, where I, I, would, I wrote Civil War love letters uh, to my boyfriend at war, um, you know, in that, in that era, in that time period, uh, kind of lamenting and, and making things modern or whatever. She saw that piece and asked me to do that one for Lauren Michaels when he came in. And what happened when you did it for Lauren Michaels? Um, I did that and a rap I had called Stand There, and then I was flown out. Um, to, to New York. To and you auditioned? Mm -hmm. And how'd it go? I thought it went really, really well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually had the, the great fortune because my, my boyfriend at the time ended up working for SNL. Pat, Michael, Pat Michael Patrick O'Brien. And um, so after he started writing, I got to go up with him to his office and watch my audition through their sort of like feed or whatever. And and you know that thing that happens in your mind, like, you think you aced it. So two weeks after, I was like, I'm getting this. I nailed it, America. Um, <laughs> and then the self-doubt starts to creep in, you know, and, like, you go and you replay everything. Um, and so actually seeing that for me was really helpful because it wasn't nearly as What did you learn from it. watching your audition? <sighs> The self-abuse is completely unimportant, um, and that nothing is as bad as we make it or remember it to be. The self-abuse is not as important. What do you What do you mean? Like that that wasted energy that month I had of like this was awful, this was terrible. I must have made a mistake here. I wish I had done that there. Like none of those moments existed. It was just as a whole, start to finish. I must have not been what they were looking for. But I was pleased with what I saw on that tape. So you beat yourself up for a whole month. Oh, yeah. And then you saw the tape, mm -hmm. and you're like... And I was like, oh, okay. I'm just a flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an acquired taste. And for people that... A lot of improvisers mm -hmm. listen to this. Uh, it, mostly improvisers listen to this. <laughs> and you were dating Michael Patrick O'Brien when yes. he was here in Chicago. Or Pat O'Brien, or P.O.B. as we Whatever. called him here. Whatever, yeah. What advice do you have for people dating in the improv community? Because you guys are both high-profile people. <laughs> Was it a hard breakup? Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> 
Well, maybe not for him. Well, um, according to your video, I, there's a video that you you wrote. Uh, oh, and you know what? That's a self fulfilling prophecy because that that was, wrote, before? that was before the breakup. So tell us about the video. The, the video oh, is a very simple video. Yeah. It's called Constant Reminders, and I actually, because he wasn't going by Pat, so I wasn't even using Pat as the thing. I always called him Michael. So in that video, it's a it's a girl going through a breakup uh, with a guy named Pat, and I really wasn't even connecting the dots, and it's just about, like, everything reminds me of my ex-boyfriend. Okay, and in that video, it's, mm -hmm. it's very simple, and it's like everything reminds you of a boyfriend, a, a garbage can. I mean, it's just very simple stuff. <laughs> a bedroom, I think. And it was Patrick, and then you say he broke up with with me, mm -hmm. and then uh, so I I got that. So that was before that was you before. broke up. Yep. And he, and it's true. I'm he did magic. Break, he did break up. <laughs> <laughs> he did break up with you then. Yeah. Well, I you know I may have actually I give him retrospectively maybe more power in that breakup because I I um I was the one who initiated it. You initiated the breakup. Yeah. I wasn't being emotionally fulfilled, you know, and to by no fault of anybody. Like, he was working God knows how many hours a week, you know, and I just felt like I constantly wanted more. And I wasn't in a position at that time to understand, like, that he had just gotten the job that we're all trying to get and that that's where his energy and his momentum The Saturday Night Live yeah, job. Yeah. So you, there was a long distance going on for yes, a while? Yes. We did that for about a year and some change. And was yeah. this... Before you discover the sexual abuse? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And now, yes, dating patterns have been illuminated. I get it all now. <laughs> In what way? <laughs> what have you learned from that? Oh, that uh, I, I was and am working on. I was codependent. Um, I... Uh, this is the biggest one. I'm trying to articulate it gracefully. I was giving my power away. You know, I had aligned with this who I interpreted to be extremely powerful person. Pat. Pat. Okay. And then, I, you know, I have power too. And I think I was perceiving that the people I'm with are the reason for my success. I was, I was giving that to people who I was with. Um, and I now know that it comes from me, but it has been a long journey back to that place. And when you say codependent, how does it affect, how has it affected your career? Oh my gosh. Jimmy, you're nailing this. Um, <laughs> By fracturing my energy and my momentum, I there are absolutely goals that I want to achieve. And give me um, one example. I would like to write and produce the movie Sarastitute. Write, direct, and produce the movie Sarastitute. Okay, what I, is Sarastitute? It's um, one of the videos that's on my YouTube channel. Um, it's a it's a song about empowered women in sororities uh, and kind of writing the, the feature length mm -hmm. version of that and I've written draft one but my own personal battles you know like aligning with myself have kind of just fractured that energy and that momentum and, and if I wasn't so worried about what other people were thinking or uh, worried about pleasing other people or you know needing them to, to stand on my own then all of that energy would be redirected into these creative projects, you know? I can totally relate to yeah. all of that. Totally. Yeah. And I feel like I see that now, which I'm so thankful for. Are you doing anything to get support on it? Therapy? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and how's that going? Because I, I don't think you, for me, I, there's no way I could get to these places myself. Okay. I, um, yes. I was in kind of conventional therapy for a year, and he turned me on to some Qigong stuff. Qigong is? Uh, it's a Chinese meditative therapy or energy sort of thing, mm -hmm. and so that was my foray into everything that I'm all about now, which is super weird and awesome. Which, give me, give me your, yoga I know is one yoga, thing. Yoga, um, and that's really been, that came later, but Reiki, um, I go and see... Uh, a shamanic healer in Evanston who I am so grateful for. Um, her name is Billy Topatate and she's awesome. Everyone should go see her. Um, <laughs> but I, I find that I'm more resonant with kind of like now life coaching is really helpful to like take just quantitative active steps and like, okay, whose business were you living in, Lindsay? Your business or somebody else's business? And were you operating from someone else's business? You know? And just little things like that have really illuminated. So I'm out of regular therapy and into more tactical stuff, like in actually building that momentum and 
and doing those things for myself now. And that's the yoga then. So it's, it's like it stepped up. I did regular therapy, Reiki, shamanic healing, <laughs> uh, and then now into kundalini yoga myself. Which is the... It's a breath-centric yoga. And how has that influenced you? Because you're very physical in terms of an improviser. Mm-hmm. How has that influenced your improvisation? I think I was a gymnast growing up and mm-hmm. then a springboard diver after that. So I've always had that. Um, and so yoga, I feel like, is kind of a, you know, parts of my body don't work the way they used to. And it's this real happy medium for me in my 30s with, like, the bridge between gymnastics and, and where I actually am physically now. Um, so I think it's it's helped keep some of those things alive. And do you know, and I've struggled with this too, being a survivor of sexual abuse, We it's very hard for us to stay in our bodies. Yeah. Oh, I'm gone 92% of the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm back way more now, but the last four years specifically, um, I felt like I was more away than here. Yes. Great. Exactly. Are you ready to improvise? Heck yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> so could we, what would you like to take as a suggestion? Ooh. I don't know. Just any anything you guys are maybe a question from the audience. Great. Can we do that? Could we get a question from the audience? Who's your favorite Silver Wall general? Okay. So <laughs> so you hear Tom's uh, suggestion, who is your favorite Civil War general? Mm-hmm. And how does your brain process that suggestion? <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, that one was easy that time because it, it goes right back to that sketch I was telling you about before. So I related it back to something I had already written in that moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell t- what was the sketch? Which, again, was the love letters sketch. Um, so I was writing love letters to my boyfriend and then the reveal at the end after he had clearly died and I was still getting mad at him for not responding to my messages mm-hmm. um, was that he was Robert E. Lee. So okay. that was... So what do you do? You have this idea that's already in your head. So what 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 goes on when you hear that suggestion? That for, for me, I try to so that I don't get super in my head. Um, usually, and that one was like a different roadmap, but Typically, I'll just hear a word, and especially if I, it's a subject that I'm not super comfortable with, I'll let myself just like pick a character, make a character choice based on the word that I hear. You know, like if it's Civil War General or the question, and I feel like I don't know a ton about the Civil War, then I'm going to just play a girl who doesn't know much about Civil War things. Okay. You know? Great. Um, and why don't we, uh, how about a, lo- can we have a location too? A uh, field. A Spot. I yeah, just, I this love is it. the spot I come to too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What are the chances? Um, one in nine hundred. <laughs> it's a very tactical approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I don't know. I feel like it's more than that. You know, it's more than just fact. It's like this could be the start of something. Well. I think you're right. <laughs> I've been following you. That changes everything. Because <laughs> I thought it was like this universal synchronistic meeting, and now I know that it was like plotted and I don't know. Yeah, like when I you got off at the magic. bank. When you got off at the bank, I was just I followed you up here in my car, and then I parked it over there, and and I saw you walk over there, so I went over those mountains and then came down here and <laughs> pretended like it was an act like it was fate. Huh. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple things that are working for you. Yeah. Like, the fact that you would go over those mountains mm-hmm. and, like, do all that for me makes me feel really honored and appreciative. I thought like, you... Yeah. yeah. I but, thought you would... I, yeah. I thought you would think that was. Yeah. yeah. It's still stalking. 
there's no way I could get somebody as pretty as you unless I did this. Oh, you're doing really good again. Thanks. <laughs> like all the time. I, I, I can't get any work done at the hardware store because I, I think about you all the time. Like someone come in and they'll ask for something mm -hmm. and, and all I can do is I can see, like a hammer, I think of you, you know? <laughs> Somebody came in and they wanted a water heater. Well, okay, I, wait, go back to that. A hammer. A hammer, like what about a hammer makes you think of me? You both have the prettiest heads. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anything in that store, I think of you. Nails. Tell me how. You're sharp. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Wow. So, are, are you, have you, you're still working there? Um, they I'm fired gonna, me. I'm going to need financial support. They fired me. <laughs> but that's all right. I'm, I put an application um, in that other town, um, Lamont, mm -hmm. Home Depot. Okay. Good benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the Civil War outfit. <laughs> well, I know how much you like you, you like the Civil War. I yes. So I went with the South because I know you like the South. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like like the geography of it, but not what they stand for. No, I understand. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If you know that, that's yeah. another Because point. I thought, you know what? I thought if I got dressed up at the North, that would be too obvious. It, oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, look at this. A sword. <laughs> wow. So right then when you did that again, I thought, oh God, he's a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was chill again before that. I don't know. No, 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 no. I totally understand. I totally understand. You're standing and you're brandishing your sword, <laughs> you know? And then, but you're doing it so delicately that, like, I, I still feel safe for some reason. Oh, my but God. But you're a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> you can call me Joel. <laughs> you know, that's so true. Yeah. Because if I just change the perception of it, it's just that you're really, I don't know, inspired by me. I'm totally inspired by you. Joel. Karen. Wow. I knew your middle name. Oh, God. See it? Yeah. Right back, right back to scary. Do you know how many times your name comes up when I Google it? <laughs> Three times. Because you searched it so much? Yeah. Wow. What's my middle name? Jennifer. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Joel Christopher. How do you know mine? Oh my God, you've been stalking me? Oh my God. Oh my God, I've always wanted someone to stalk me. Oh my God. I had to pretend like I wasn't into the stalking oh to make sure. I know, I know, I know. Okay. Yes. Watch the sword. Watching it. Okay. 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 Oh. <laughs> I thought you were gonna arrest me. No, oh hell no. God. I finally found someone as passionate as me. Are you kidding? Oh my God, this is so exciting. You should exciting. have seen what I had to do to find you here at this spot too. God. You did the same thing I did? Oh, completely. What did you do? It's interesting, now everything makes sense because because you were stalking me, uh -huh. I had to, you know, it was just like we were doing a big circle. <laughs> you know? Because I just kept, like, I was stalking you while you were stalking me and the whole time, I mean, can you believe that? That's fate. That's That's fate. total fate. Two stalkers. Two stalkers, but the whole, you know, what goes around comes around. Yeah, it's the absolutely. Whole thing. It's a cycle. It's a circle of life. I want to have sex with you right I now. I do, too. <laughs> we got to go slow, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much because going you know into what? Yes. we do that too fast. That's right. Then I'll leave. Yeah. Oh, I'll be scared and I'll leave. Oh, you uh -huh. will, too? Yeah. God, we are so much alike. No. Were you fat as a kid? No. Oh. <laughs> That's all right. I'm sorry you That's went right. through that. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I'm sorry you That's went all right. through that though. You've overcome so I much. Have so, I have. You look so good. Thank you. You look so so Thank good. You. you look so so good that I stalk you. Yeah. <laughs> you look so 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 good that yeah. I gotta stalk you yeah. every day. Oh, oh my god. Dirty talking. Yeah, you're just totally. Dirty Can talking. Can you spank me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You ready for yeah. it? Yeah. 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 
one go. Yeah. Or rub it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> rub it in this area right. for a little oh, bit. Yeah. Or I'm going to spank it yeah, real yeah. good. Warm it up. Yes, yeah, Civil War Gerald, yeah. like it hard. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. How's that? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little too much? No, that was perfect. For real. No, 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 no. I felt like no. it was a little, you were like, I, I'm really comfortable with that. <laughs> no, when you're talking about the Civil War, it kind of threw me off. Oh, it took you out. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I thought of all those dead bodies and those you're soldiers. Right. And then I felt guilty because I was in the, I was the, I'm in the South uniform, and I don't stand for what the South is. You're right. That was insensitive of me. Next time I'll just smack you and I won't talk at all. Great. <laughs> We're learning. We are. This is communication. Because the other effective co communication. Yeah. This is the closest I've ever gotten to any woman I've stalked. There's no restraining order between you and I. There right is now. no <laughs> or restraint, right? And you know what? I gotta say something. I'm a little scared. I know, I feel that too. It's like you're right at the precipice. You're about to get everything you want. Right. And do you lean in or do you fucking run? I think you lean in. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whoa! <laughs> just okay? Yeah, it's just okay. <coughs> no! <laughs> no! Okay. No! It was no! Okay. No! It was just okay. No! We just no! We just found each I other. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. This is where you break your pattern. This is where you break your habits and your patterns, okay? Come on. No, I, you know what? I forgot uh -huh, something. I, I got something. I got a job. I, I got a second interview at Home Depot. You know what? Shit right now. You know now. what? You're a really sweet person. And I'm glad we had we, we, we had our time together and stuff. <laughs> but I'm thinking, you All know. All right, fine. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> you know, you better watch yourself because if you fall down, really, really, mm -hmm. if you go any farther, you're gonna, you're gonna fall down. And, and you're concerned. I'm, I'm cons <laughs> yeah, I'm concerned. Okay, if you fall down and, and no one will find you except me. Except for you. The only person that I've wanted to find me forever. I'm scared. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> See, usually this part, when I'm stalking someone, they either hit me or they spray mace in my face. Yeah, what happens when you get everything you want, Joel? I run. Don't. <laughs> I can't help it. Plant your feet, bro. Let's do this. <laughs> you are so beautiful and so kind. I'm tired of people running. I know about your dad. Mm. You lost him when he was really young. Mm. And your mom, she's an alcoholic. You yep. didn't have anybody there. Neither mm -mm. did I. Not for me. And if I get an okay again after this hug or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what to do. You gotta try it again. Don't manufacture a response because I don't know. I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> We kissed in the dark. Yeah, we did. All right. <laughs> that was great. That was you are awesome. a hell of an act actor. Thank you. You you bring so much to it. It's um, amazing. Thank you, Jimmy. It was really really fun. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I just that was awesome. So tell me, what'd you like about it? <sighs> what I liked about it specifically, I was just talking about this with my buddy Tara. Um, Tara De Francisco. Tara De Francisco is that you gave me permission to be as grounded 
as I want to be and as earnest as I want to be. How did I give you that permission? I think we were playing the same reality, or that's the concept I have of it. I feel uh-huh. like in teaching you get to see a disparity between somebody like really uh, playing the moments earnestly and like willing to go there and not necessarily be funny for a mm-hmm. while, you know, um, or someone who's like kind of in Whackville. And you get to you see like the, the scene then becomes about them trying to figure out whose reality they're going to play the scene in instead of actually getting to the scene. And where did we get to it, or where did we find that reality? Hmm. This is also my favorite thing about me is that I never remember anything that I do. Um, you don't remember anything about that scene. I I do remember moments of it, but like I, I'm finding that the I think the more present I get the more that's a thing for me, too, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I think the when we both were on our knees for the first time, I mm-hmm. would say is the moment I felt it, like we were really connecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I felt like, okay, we don't, we're, we're in a field, we don't, a field, when I hear field, it's like, oh my God, this is a really big space. Yes. And then we found the space, and then we, and then we started to define why we were there, which I love just, a line at a time making discoveries. I went over the mountain. So it's, it, it lets me know about my character and you let me know about your character and then, you know, the whole, you know, I was stalking you, you yeah. know? And your response wasn't like, oh, you're stalking me. You took it in and, and made, not only was it agreement, but it was a, there was an emotional uh, component to it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at being emotional. And do, <laughs> you are, and do let, like, my wife is here, so I feel some shame, you know, like, oh. where's her, <laughs> right there. Well, what did you, I felt like shame, like I'm kissing this beautiful oh, woman. Oh, so you I'd had say, that thing going on at the same time. A little. Time. That's, yes. Yeah, a little, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I'm a little turned on right now. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll own that. <laughs> Turns yeah. out I love my life. Yeah. 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 But do you, are you open to people kissing you on stage? Yes. Okay. Yes. I am. And then that took a while. Uh-huh. You know, like, for, I think the first year or two, that always feels like it's really loaded. And then you get to a point where you really believe you're in character. Mm-hmm. And at that, you know, it would there would be no resistance, only excitement between the characters in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I made the choice, and I don't know if it was a good choice, that... This guy did get everything he wanted, but he was a stalker. And I don't think stalkers really, really want the relationship. I think stalkers want to keep chasing the right. relationship. Completely. So that was the choice that I made. And then you going that way, I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm going to have to to keep this scene going forward. I think the, the stronger choice would be to, to, today's the day this guy doesn't. Breaks his pattern. Breaks his pattern, just like yeah. you said. All right, so let's take some questions from the audience. Cool. Uh, great, right here. A lot of students are going to miss you in Chicago. Oh my goodness. Uh, now, are you one of her students? I, I took one, uh, you stopped in Tara's class a couple weeks great. ago. Yes. Yes. So. Thank you for And you've been to the show before, and your name is? I've never been to the show before. Okay, great. But my name is Neil. <laughs> Neil, okay. Yeah. So uh, go on. So two, it's a two part question, but it's sort of the same thing. Okay. Uh, what do you feel like, what would you like your legacy to be as you leave Chicago, and what seeds would you like to plant in Los Angeles? Okay, I can answer the back half first. Um, I feel, and we were speaking about this before, IOS, I suppose, has a bit of a different philosophy, and that program over there had tried to cater towards um, making Improv Olympic or IO's curriculum uh, more film-oriented. You know, they were trying to drum up interest that way. Um, and I feel like it's my tenant or one of my charges to, to kind of bring what, what's more resonant, you know, because IO's philosophy is now transcending and going internationally. And I think we changed our philosophy to cater to an L.A. audience. And so I know I'm going to be teaching at IO West and some of the other Chicago people who've just recently moved there are also teaching lower levels at IO West to kind of like breed that new philosophy up. So that's one part. Um, and then what I also want to do in LA is be more selfish and, and exactly what I was talking to Jimmy about of, um, I think I now have a consciousness about fracturing my energy, um, and 
then I end up resenting people close to me and it's no one's fault but my own and I really want to go give this uh, good old college try out there of like me doing what I want to do for a while. Um, give me an example of you resent somebody because you give too much energy away. It's the, it, but see now that was old Lindsay. And Let's Lindsay. talk about old Lindsay for a oh, second. Oh boy. Um, the gentleman that I most recently is was dating. When um, you say is was, where is it? Because we don't know what we're doing. Okay. Um, You're going to L.A. That's I'm for going sure. To LA, that's okay. for sure. Um, at the beginning, and a lot of these discoveries were made on his watch, which was a, a trying time for a relationship. Um, and I think he was kind of going through a similar, a similar thing, just like in his own self evolution. And um, to be frank, like things where, <laughs> okay, I'm going to see like sketch shows or these other things, and and you can't. It's so nasty sounding, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, going to, like, skybox shows and, and things like that and, like, feeling like you're kind of being cycled back into the beginning all over again. And, and it's my own fear of, like... Performing in skybox shows? Even just being there or for whatever reason. And you're, I, because I you're saying that. yes to something. Yes. I had put that on it. And then you're doing a show and you're resenting doing a show. Or going to even see people. Because you want, to, you want to people please them. Yes. And you're afraid what they're going to think if you say don't go to... Uh, I don't even know that I don't want to go to the show. Do you know what I mean? When, like, do you, when does Lindsay, old Lindsay, uh, realize she didn't want to go to the show? After it's over, and I'm pissed that I went. Because <laughs> I wanted to be writing, or I wanted to be doing something else, you know? And, I, like, the, and, and that is, we were talking about that four-year discrepancy. So now it's like 40 minutes. You know, but it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think at some point I'm going to like really know who I am and what I want to do at every moment, I hope. Now, the guy that you're kind of dating, we were not sure about this. Is he an improviser? <laughs> yes. Okay. Now He's, I th he's here. He, he can probably feel questions. Where, where is he? <laughs> Why don't you come on up? Okay, so where are we in the relationship? Oh, um... This is actually, I'm so glad you have to answer this. If I'm putting you on the spot. No, no. He's an improviser, Jimmy. What, what, what is your name, first of all? This is Adam oh, Archer. Adam. Adam and Adam Archer. Adam Archer. Yes. Um, uh, well, I, we go through these stages. Um, where uh, we uh, we're like yeah 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 we can do this you know and then uh, we both like this fucking sucks mm -hmm. and then we're both like I hate you because this sucks and then we're both like well it's our fault it sucks let's let's be real here and then we're able to like live real for a little bit and like be like okay this is who we are to each other and there's no there's no resentment and we can be our true selves without the ego or without anything like that, without the fear of moving or long distance or, or competitive nature that comes along with having two people in the same field. And we can just be with ourselves. And when we're able to do that, we're pretty good. Um, but that comes and goes uh, like the wind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but recently, I feel like we, we hit a turning point. Um, and I think we're, uh, I think we're, we're just like... Uh, we're good, you know, mm -hmm. with whatever happens, happens. To be, it's better to be valuable to someone and as part of someone who's very important to you to be supportive and be there for them as opposed to trying to be something that may or may not be, but we know it's not right now. And uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to torture ourselves and be like, well, no, 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 we did this for each other. We're here. We belong to each other. This should be we're able to be like, let's not tear down what we've done by doing that. Yeah, what we, what does that make you feel? I'm so glad we're honest with each other. Like well, I, I, I'm having problems with the honesty part. Where, where, <laughs> um, where's the love? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 um, how do you feel about 
Lindsay going to LA. Now I know how I would feel. Part of me would be relieved that she's going. Yeah. And part of me would be scared. Oh sure, I, I think there's both of those. I think, I, for one, um, from day one, I think you know my own personal issues, um, which are. Oh well, sure. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I have every. I think every guy says, "Well, I got commitment issues," and, and I things. totally do. Yeah, sure, I, and you, you put a ring on it. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, so good for you, man. Um, it took me 47 years. Hey. <laughs> um, well, it's taken me 30 to admit that I actually have commitment issues. So. Uh, we're getting there. The um, the issues I have are 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 like, uh, what do I want to do? What does she want to do? Can those two things happen together? Um, and and things of that nature. So like the honestly, uh, the thing I'm really good at though is support, and I'm a very supportive person. Um, and I supported her all out because she was, you know, she's Lindsay fucking Haley. Um, what does that mean? Well, she was she was at a very I had just moved here with about a year or so, and then we met, and... Uh, and I snatched that up quick. <laughs> she snatched it up, and... Uh, and, uh, well... Did you guys have sex too early? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. no, I don't know when too early is, uh, uh, but no, I... I I purposely, I purposely held back. Um, he, I <laughs> like that it made me sound really good for a second, and then you just said I purposely. <laughs> not like, not like she was begging. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so supportive. <laughs> but I say that to say, like, there's a part of me that could not be happier that I was able to be on that part of her journey and to be able to see this dream she has come to fruition, at least the first steps of it, and uh, be there through one of the most trying times of her life. And probably mine, too, in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of shit that happened in the year we were together. What does he mean, trying time? Well, he he was around for most of the realizations. Like, I'd had um, one or two before. For, I think we met maybe the sexual abuse yes they weren't real um, and then, did they come to you in dreams or did they uh, no flashbacks flashbacks okay yeah um, and so he you know and I was I didn't know what was happening to me and I, I was more irritable than I've ever been in my life like I just up and down and um, and he just couldn't, he, <laughs> he couldn't have been more graceful during that time and like uh I've always, I came from a real tomboy background. My dad's kind of a don't take any shit kind of dude. And um, Adam gave me the space to be extremely vulnerable for the first time in my life. And what did that look like? A lot of crying. And he just stayed, and he, he just was there. Great, we're going to take some more questions for both of them. <laughs> yeah, right here. Uh, Yes. Hi, Scott. Hi. Is he a student of yours? <laughs> yes, he's a, he's a favorite. <laughs> and you're one of my favorites as well. And one of the big reasons why I feel that you're such an amazing improviser, and I, I, I'd love to know more about how you access this aspect of your performance, is like the level of honesty and openness, vulnerability with like a blending of like whimsical playfulness that can still be in there. So I can believe it, have fun watching you, and I'm on this journey with you. So what I'm curious about is how do you access that? You keep working on yourself. On the outside? Um, if I am doing that, if you're saying that I'm doing that, thank you. Um, and it's not anything that I'm like trying to do genuinely. I think that what I can observe, even from looking at a few tapes or something of my old performance, like, there really was that, like, when I first got here, I was, like, one-linering it left and right and, like, like that, you know? And then I think I went inward for a couple of years and all this stuff came up and, like, the shell starts cracking open. So if, if, if that is coming through in my performance, I think I attribute that mostly to, like, self-work. Um, and then, obviously, the, the reps and stuff at Torco... It was like a perfect blend, you know, like that happened, and then on the heels of that, this this time of going inward happened, you know? Um, so 
thank you for saying that. And um, yeah, I think everybody work on breaking down your walls. <laughs> Great. Let's yeah. uh, another question. Yes. I saw you at Chaos Theory last night. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. <laughs> How did you all? immediately jump on the decision to, 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 to play such a meta show as you played last night? I think... Um, Chaos Theory is a Herald team. Chaos Theory is uh, the Saturday night show at I.O. and I'm actually just sitting in with them until I leave um, just because they're all a bunch of my best buddies. I think that is why. Because uh, there's genuinely that thing that happens so rarely in your improv tenure where I was on stage with my four best friends in the improv community. Um, Namdi, Nagui, Rance, Rizzuto, Tara, and myself. And what did he mean by a meta show? We just were like, we were talking, you if I remember correctly, to talking to the audience, letting the audience be like our fifth stage partner, um, or scene partner, and, um, and we were talking about improvisers and their tendencies, and instead of it being, I feel like it was, sometimes when improvisers break the fourth wall and they talk about improv, like it's not relatable to the audience, but I feel like there was this element last night for the first time and I was so thrilled. It was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. Um, it, where we kind of explained what an improviser is and what a comedian is. And, and it was a similar conversation to what we're having now about walls and breaking walls down. Um, and I think, again, you just... I'm up there with my best friends and I feel totally secure. What, to what did you guys come to the conclusion? What is an improviser? Um, <laughs> uh, someone who's into self-work. Uh, someone who may have come from... And not, and not in all cases, I hope, um, but people who are really willing to look at themselves and strive for consciousness or to help other people um, achieve the power within themselves to, to look at themselves and, and effective communication, you know, and like the importance of that. So I think last night it was kind of, we're all, you know, you guys think this is fun was the message sort of like but this is a lot of hard work how much do you use improv to heal to per performance to heal i now know that that's why i came to chicago to have you know i thought it was to be on snl or just like what everybody else thinks when they get here and um and it was exactly the opposite it was to very intentionally not get on snl to go through that pain that would thwart me into this year or four of self-exploration to, to bring me to, to be honest with you, to bring me to spirituality um, and healing. So this was my therapy. Lindsay Haley, thank you so much for being our guest. And there you have it, another episode of Improv Nerd is in the Canon. I want to thank our guest, Lindsay Haley, for being so brave and so honest um, and it was just, it was just, it was amazing what it was. And, uh, I know I felt feeling really good and I also felt a lot of shame. I drove home with my wife and she said, I bet you feel really good about this episode. I said, I am feeling so much shame. I can't tell you. And, uh, as my therapist says, shame is good. It means that I'm healing. And, uh, believe me, I have a lot to heal from. I also want to thank our good friends here. Uh, these people are, have been so supportive of us, and that is the good people at Stage 773. Uh, it's our home base. They make us feel like we are super rock stars. Uh, and as always, I want to thank my producer, Ben Caprero. He's the one who makes it sound so slick and so professional. If it wasn't for Ben, you wouldn't be hearing my voice right now. Also, uh, Feral Audio. You know we're on Feral Audio because you're smart and you can figure that out. Uh, we are not alone on Feral Audio. There's some wonderful other podcasts like Conversations with Matt Dwyer, Chelsea Peretti, Todd Berry, uh, Dan Harmon. They're all on there. They all have wonderful podcasts. And if you want to check it out, go to feralaudio.com. That's feralaudio.com. And if you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning classes, The Artist Low Comedy, and my Improv Nerd blog, which will help you become a better improviser, go to jimmycorain.com. That's jimmycorain.com. And as always, like our, our Improv Nerd fan page. It really helps with my low self-esteem. I want to thank you for listening and all your support. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. I really, really appreciate it. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd, oh yeah.
Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Young. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> suicide Buddies. <laughs> That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. <laughs> He's like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. He literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, bat. a bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a rich- I don't know what you want from me. And my, uh, and my a, girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My, uh, my, 